and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Excited to talk a little about lentil production on today's program, but also to take your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us radio at agphd.com. I think we're going to just focus on mailbag here coming up later this week to try to get through some of the questions and, uh, I've got just a pile of soil samples to look at too, and we're, we're certainly happy to do that and give you either a first opinion or a second opinion. But more importantly, a lot of times we talk about soil samples, and and I know that a lot of our listeners are, are getting quite a bit out of that. Hopefully you are as well. Just talking through each nutrient, talking about, hey, here's where we're trying to get to, and here's some of the things that we're looking at. The big thing is we want you to be able to read these soil tests yourself. And when you think about it for the farm, it's great to have an advisor. It's great to have somebody to go to on various issues. But as many things as you could do yourself and become at least somewhat of an expert on, so you can ask better questions, you can make better choices, all those kinds of things, that's our goal here. Our goal isn't just to be, hey, those are the guys you call uh, for help on soil tests. I mean, we're happy to do it. But long term, we'd love it if you got to a spot on your own farm where you're like, okay, I'm really good on NPK, sulfur, magnesium, calcium, all these things. And then just occasionally, hey, here's something I haven't seen before. Uh, let me ask those guys and see if they've run across that. That's kind of where we'd like to get long term. But, uh, of course, uh, we'll, we'll always help you out if you have a, a question and you send a soil sample in. Uh, Brian, what have you been talking about here the last couple of days? We've been running different directions. Yep. Uh, yeah, the soil test thing's been big, a little bit on weed control, have quite a few questions on fungicide and what's going on going into this year. So anyway, speaking of questions, though, I know, Darren, we got a ton of questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. I couldn't get to very many of them yesterday. So I'm ready to hit that if you are. Okay. It's the mailbag. Got this one. It came from Larry down in southwest Arkansas. He said, guys, we got a soil cation exchange capacity of nine and we get 50 inches of rainfall a year. Now, I've heard conflicting information about our ability uh, to hold potash in our soil and therefore be able to build potash long-term. I'm just curious, 50 inches of rain, a CEC of 9, should we expect to be able to improve our potassium levels in the soil, or is this just a, we got to spoon-feed the crop along the way every year? I think you're going to be able to build those soil test levels, but you can't count on all oh, potash that I put out there this year. is going to stay there for five years. I don't think that it will. So if it's me, I'm still going to do some spoon feeding, but I want to make sure that each fall I've got my potassium levels fairly well built up going into the next season. If it's me, that's probably how I would handle it, but you can test these things out yourself. Try it both ways and do some comparisons. And in order to really find out, you need to push the rate. So you can't go with some little 50-pound application and learn a whole lot. What I'm saying is if you really want to build, well, put on a few hundred pounds, and then let's see how long it lasts. Will it last two years, three years, four years? I don't know exactly. The only way you're going to know is you got to try it out a little bit. So don't get carried away. Don't do it on thousands of acres or anything, but try it on just a few acres put on a massive rate, and then just see how long it lasts in your soil. But my prediction is it's going to work. It's just only going to last for maybe a couple, three years. So that's why you just have to keep adding. 
Yep, you got to do a lot of research on the farm. You really do. You can't just take somebody's word for it that, well, you know, I've just heard you can't ever build potash levels in our soils. Okay, well, show me the data. What, what's been done? And, hey, our farming practices have changed over the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. How about now? Are we doing some different things that will allow this to happen? So uh, thanks for the question. And, yeah, look forward to hearing what you find out on your farm over the next couple of years. This question came in from Mickey. Uh, he says, can I band lime in low pH soils to influence the root zone just for a short period of time? If yes, what kind of lime would you suggest? And secondly, how long will that lime influence the root zone? Yes, I'd use pelletized lime and you only want to use a few pounds. Don't get carried away because you're affecting such a small area even a 100-pound application is going to seem like a 2,000-pound application that may be broadcast. So, I, I, and I'm not saying that is the exact number or anything, okay? But just understand, I, I just simply mean it doesn't take a lot to accomplish what you're trying to do, especially if you just want it to be a short-term thing. So, usually we get this question from people who are renting ground. They don't know if they're going to have the ground in the future. It's perfectly fine. You can do this. Just understand that the reason why we like influencing the whole soil and broadcasting lime is so we can raise all the pH, which then helps the soil life, helps the microbes, and helps all your plant roots rather than just those that are in that little band. All right. Thanks for the question. Got this one in from TH who said, uh, all right, guys, you were talking about root inhibitors versus shoot inhibitors in terms of residual herbicides. I've been laying herbicides on the top and letting rain incorporate them in. And it seems to me that after you get a heavy rain, even on heavy soils, the root inhibitors are okay, but shoot inhibitors could get pushed below the target zone and perhaps lose a little bit of control. Uh, just kind of curious what you think about that. It seems like I'm getting longer control, longer length of control with root inhibitors, although I am using both types of products. I'm just thinking it's because sometimes we get some heavy rains that might push the shoot inhibitors out of the correct zone. Yes, and that's true. And so that's where if, let's say, you're in an area that gets ridiculous amounts of rainfall, some people will prefer, to, I'll just give you the example in group 15s. They like zidua. They feel zidua attaches to soil better, hangs around better than, say, acetochlor, harness or surpass that might leach down a little bit more. I'm not saying it's super leachable, but is it possible it could leach outside the top half inch? Absolutely. Good questions. And we got more questions coming up later in the show in the Ag PhD mailbag time. Uh, but first, we're going to talk a little about lentil production and give you some ideas about raising broadleaf crops in general. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. What does it feel like to get all for none? How does all the Thanksgiving turkey with none of the cooking sound? All your football team's highlights with none of the timeouts? We'll do you one better. What about all the benefits of a new Farmall utility tractor with none of the finance cost? Welcome to Farmall A-Days. For a limited time only, gain 0% financing for 48 months or a cashback offer when you invest in select Farmalls this holiday season. There's a reason they call it a Farmall and not a Farm None. Visit caseih.com slash offers to learn more about these special offers running now through December 31st. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today, and our topic is lentil production. And if you think, oh man, we don't have very many good soybean op- uh, herbicide options, just wait till we talk lentils. It gets even more limited. We've got uh, some tough weed control challenges, and you know, here's a crop that's not on near as many acres as soybeans or corn or wheat in our country. And a lot of times there there just isn't as there aren't as many dollars flowing in there and you look at how expensive it is to get new products labeled. It's a challenge. Uh, so for farmers raising lentils, just controlling the weeds sometimes can be a real challenge. Uh, so we got to look at all the tools we can find out there. And fortunately, there are a few good ones. I got Jeff Benton with us right now with Belsham. How you doing, Jeff? Good. How are you? Pretty good. You know, I, I think about tough as a corn herbicide because that's where I'm using it on our farm. But uh, this is actually a good option for lentils. Uh, yes, it is. It's a very good option. I mean, just to give you a little background here in the Northwest, uh, I reside in, in Washington State. You know, when we first broke out onto the market here a few years ago, it was actually in 2017 where we received a Section 18 in mint uh, because of tough a tough uh, superior control of, of weeds like pigweed. And uh, so for a few years, that's, that's where we lived. And uh, then in uh, 2021, we got our Section 3 label, which included corn as well as, ch- as, well as chickpeas. And then in the spring of 2022, we actually had lentils uh, added on. So it, this gave uh, growers uh, an arrow in their quiver that they did not have access to before. So we're very happy to have it out on the market for these guys. All right. So when you think about lentils uh, in the Pacific Northwest, what are some of the tough weeds that that you're really seeing tough help out on? I I think about it a lot for pigweeds. I know you mentioned pigweed already, and certainly that's a a key weed just about everywhere I've been. Uh, But but there are other weeds too, and and tough isn't just a one-trick pony. What What are some of the other things that you see tough helping out on? 
Yeah, well, it's certainly not a one-trick pony. I mean, if we're looking at uh, our chickpea, our dryland country, okay, our chickpea and lentil country, I don't care if it's in eastern Washington, across the panhandle of Idaho and into Montana, we're looking at the same weeds most of the time. So we're looking at lamb's quarter, we're looking at kochia, uh, maid weed or dog fennel. I mean, these are all problematic weeds that our growers are, are having to deal with, including Russian thistle. So, um, you know, we, we cover them all. And, again, we do a good job of it, and it's, uh, it's a nice tool to have. You know, one thing that I like about Tough, and, and we were talking, I just had a question before the break about soil residual and, and different types of products. The nice thing I like about Tough as well is we don't have rotational concerns because so many growers are into, hey, I'm, I'm using, well, you get into to some of these areas that they, they've got just a bunch of different crops they want to raise, but you get limited when you put certain products out there. Tough isn't that way. I, I don't. Are there any concerns at all with rotation? No, that certainly is one of the nice features of our product. That we, uh, that, that uh, is definitely an asset to Tough. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And um, that that's uh, a concern of other products, like you mentioned, but it certainly is not uh, of Tough. Okay, talk to us about getting the most out of that particular herbicide, Tough. Is it coverage? Is it warm weather? Surfactants? What are some of those key things we need to do? Well, it's all those things. I mean, if you... Just like with corn, all right, if we want to make this product work to its maximum ability, we got to use it correctly when it comes to applying the product. And that starts first and foremost with weed size. You know, we got to hit these weeds when we're small. And that's across the board no matter where we're using this product. Preferably two to four inches in height, no more than five. Or, you know, if we're looking at the number of leaves on the weed, we're looking at the four-leaf stage. So that's first and foremost. Second of all, we want we don't want to cut back on the rate you know if we're looking at a tank mix with corn we're looking at eight ounces if we're looking at chickpeas we're looking at our full rate of 24 and then lentils we're looking at a range of of six to 20 preferably closer to 20 because of again we're dealing with the same weeds um the next thing we want is we want to have a good adjuvant you got to have an adjuvant um when it comes to lentils we're recommending a non-ionic surfactant uh, quarter of a percent or or you know a quart per 100 gallons of water um you got to have that for the coverage to spread the product out and to get good penetration um on these weeds and then the last thing is a carrier uh it doesn't do you any good if you come in there and you spray with very little carrier you have to have coverage and we know that in an ideal setting we're going to be hitting these weeds small sometimes they're a little larger than what we'd like and that's where coverage is, is even more important. Uh, we recommend 20 gallons to the acre, but we'll take 15. Um, I know in Montana, uh, you know, they go out at 10, uh, sometimes less than 10. And so, uh, again, we just got to remind everybody, we'll, we'll settle for 15, but we got to have the right amount of carrier to get the coverage we need. No doubt about that. Getting good coverage is really important, and and like you mentioned, there isn't the soil residuals. You don't have to worry about that. That it's going to impact your crop rotation at all, but all the activity is going to be from that contact. So you've got to have great coverage to make that work. How about tank mix partners, Jeff? I know you're in some crops that there just aren't very many choices out there for growers. Uh, are there any common tank mix partners that you put tough with? And is there anything that you'd say, hey, don't put us with this? Yeah, good question. Well, 
you know, unlike with corn, we don't have the take mixes available uh, to the to the lentil and chickpea growers. Uh, it's just we're just not there. So that's even more of a con, uh, a reason to use the product um, and to follow the tips that I just mentioned. Now, when it comes to you know using it in lentils, we actually have some data out of Canada using that, showing that it can be co- uh, used in combination with metribuzin. Uh, seven ounces of tough with three ounces of metribuzin gave uh, very good control of kosher and lamb's quarters. Um, down here in the lower 48, um, metribuzin, the, our growers are a little leery of it. So what they've done is they've uh, ramped up the, the number of ounces of tough. Again, we can use up to 20. Um, they've used a, a non-iodic surfactant, and they've been able to go out and have good control of the weeds. I will say this, and this is something that has happened. Uh, sometimes they'll they'll want to maybe grow go and and spray, uh, spray their their chickpeas, and then they'll use the same tank to come over and hit the lentils. And lentils are just a little bit more delicate. And I can tell you that if you use an MSO and you go out there and you're aggressive, you'll get the weeds, but in all likelihood you may ding your lentils. Um, this has happened. I've seen it a couple of times. Uh, but the good this those lentils will bounce back um within seven to ten days uh and at least by 14 days you you wouldn't even realize that they got dinged but uh that is something of a concern so we we don't want to use the same tank mixes bouncing back and forth across the road hitting chickpeas over here and then lentils over there uh we just have to treat those two crops a little a little differently yeah, that's that's for sure. Great advice there. We're talking with Jeff Benton here with Belsham. Uh, last question here for you, the Weed Seed Bank. We talk about that in soybeans a lot, that, man, we have to be so diligent. I can only imagine that conversation becomes even more critical in crops like lentils and chickpeas. Well, exactly. And, and, and now I can tell you this, you know, a couple of years ago we had some really dry weather. Uh, we didn't have a lot of rain in 2021. The pre-emerge herbicides did not work well. Um, a lot of our fields were chock full of lamb's quarter. And the growers got pretty aggressive using tough. I'm, I'm glad they had it available. But even on a year like this year, we had more moisture. The pre's worked pretty darn good. You still have the edges and you have the draws. And those are all places that sometimes just escape um, the pre-emerge herbicides. And that's where we can come in and t- with tough to clean things up. If nothing more than to just, you know, make sure that we stay on top of those those uh, weed seed banks and make sure that this that, that does not become a, a bigger issue down the road. So, um, the, the, you know, keeping control of the seed banks is is, is a big issue as well, certainly. Yeah. yeah, lots of challenges controlling weeds in some of these crops. Today we're focusing on lentils, and I've been talking with Jeff Benton with Belsham here. Jeff, thank you so much. Appreciate all the information, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you, and Merry Christmas to you as well. We'll be right back after this short break. We'll be taking your calls at 844-44-AG-PHD and talking a little bit more about lentils. Stay tuned. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. 
With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. Team B wants to help make your holidays John Deere green. With in-store selections of toys, lifestyle products, and collectibles, we have something for everybody. Make a list, check it twice, and find that perfect gift at your nearest CNB store. With 10% off going on now through December 31st, don't delay, shop today. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at farmshopmfg.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. The weeds are coming! The weeds are coming! Hey! Paul Revere! This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Well, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and yeah, we're not talking corn and soybeans so much today. We're talking more about lentils, but we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. It's been nice getting into different areas of the country where there are a lot more crops than just two or even three in the rotation. One of those areas is out in Montana, and we got our friend Tony Fast on with us right now. Tony, how you doing? I'm good. Staying warm. So <laughs> that's, that's the key thing today. I, I'm not so happy or not so disappointed to be inside. Normally I don't like being, being at a desk or being at a computer. I'd rather be outside, but today, yeah, I'd, I'd rather be inside. Uh, hey, we're talking lentils today. How, how big a part of your operation is that? Um, some years, uh, more than others, it's kind of one of those crops where you feel like you need to plant them when the Prices are good, but then when it's all done, you're kind of like, why did I do that again? <laughs> <laughs> There's a good challenge with being short crops and 
and they tend to, you know, have their challenges that way and our rocks and stuff are hard on combines, but, uh, we, we usually grow about a third of our crop in pulses and, and some years lentils are part of that. Hey, uh, talk about that just a little bit. You made a comment there, and I, and I know exactly what you're talking about, that rocks are hard on combines. Uh, we've got some listeners today that say, man, lentils, yeah, they're tasty to eat, but I don't, I have never grown them. What what are lentils like growing? How big do they get? And, and what are some of the, the challenges uh, doing it? Uh, there's a few different uh, classifications of lentils that are, you know, they're different heights and different size seeds um, that are, you know, little tougher to control weeds in because there's really nothing besides grasses we can spray out in crop that um so that's a challenge try and spend the rest of the years cleaning up fields and then you end up with a bunch of weeds that year with your peas and lentils or chickpeas and stuff so that's that's one of the bigger challenges um it takes a little more equipment because we got to pull a land roller around after we're planted or seeded and then uh just to push the rocks and any you know, the, the furrows shut a little bit or just the ridges down so we can slide across the top of the ground with the headers. So, and then I, I don't really know of anybody that doesn't use a flex head to cut them. It's whether it's a flex straper is most common in our area. Sure. Sure. You know, I, I think about Montana and I think wheat and, and Durham and these kinds of crops, uh, having something that's not a grass crop is, is kind of nice in the rotation, at least uh, if you're doing it even every third or fourth year or something like that. It has to offer a little different challenge other than fighting wireworms and sawflies and some of these different crazy things we get in small grains. Yep. Yeah. The, the last year, grasshoppers are really hard on them. They'll tend to eat the flowers off and then in the middle of a dry spell and you're wondering if it's going to rain to finish failing anyways, is it worth spraying them for that or not? And So it's, it definitely has its challenges, but it is nice to have a crop, like you say, that's not a, you know, breaks up that soft fly rotation and, and different stuff like that. What what other crops, I guess, would I suppose canola would probably fall in that. Do you do any alfalfa out there? Uh, we got some alfalfa, yeah. That's just for hay production. Um, canola, yeah, raise a fair amount of canola. All uh, of you know, other pulse crops as well. So um, that's kind of about it for for that. Some hay crops is like uh, hay barley and hay oats last year too. There's shortage of hay in our area the last two years with dry weather. So. Sure, sure. Well, I'm sure for for many of our listeners, when they heard Tony fast, they thought, "Wait, he's on YouTube. How's uh, how's YouTube working for you? And and what kind of questions are you getting? What kind of feedback are you getting from people that are watching what you're doing on the farm?" Well, uh, it's going good. It's got its uh, its runs and slow down times where lots of activity on there. Hope probably not when it's cold. <laughs> Viewership will go up a little bit. Yep. Um, lots of people like to watch the harvest videos and stuff like that. So. But it, no, it's good. It's uh, it takes time. That's for sure. It's it's not just uh, you know, takes a little more time to edit and everything like that. So, but no, overall, it's going good. Oh, we appreciate that. It's sure good to see just what's happening on farms. And I think for so many consumers out there, they, they have many questions about how their food is raised and, uh, and, and just what life out in the country is like. So it's, it sure is fun to watch, yeah. uh, for anybody who hasn't found you yet, where, where can we find you, Tony? And, and where are you putting out content? Uh, fast egg Montana 
and that's on YouTube and uh, like Instagram and Facebook. So a little bit of content on everything. So you bet. Well, Tony, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Yeah, you guys too. Thank you. Yeah, there are so many uh, different things when when we start talking about a crop like lentils, and uh, I, I know uh, there there are a number of different agronomists out there that that have their uh, ways that they're utilizing the crop and in the rotation, and also trying to to manage that crop too. Uh, we get Katie Carefoot on here up in Saskatchewan uh, that to talk just a little bit more about lentils, and and Katie, thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. You know, when we think about lentils, uh, how big a crop is that in your part of Saskatchewan? Uh, so I'm close to Swift Current. I, uh, uh, my husband and our family farm uh, just east of Swift Current, actually, and it's been a very important crop for almost 30 years around here. Um, started in the early 90s, actually, um, growing with the... Um, additional peas and lentils to rotation so but lentils have really uh really been the big crop around swift current for many years now you know as we get towards uh, the holiday season here lots of cooking going on and uh, we were just talking here as we were going to discuss lentils today and i said man uh, i could sure go for some lentil chili right now is about the right time for that we're going to be super duper cold here and those kinds of things what does it take to raise the best lentils what are what are some of the big challenges that you face uh, where you guys farm so because we've had lentils in the rotation for a really long time um soil borne diseases are starting to become uh because they they've been a host in the ground for so many years, and with peas in the rotation as well, aphanomyces and fusarium species uh, um, seedling diseases are really some of the top problems we have. We also have uh, issues with um, just maintaining the herbicide groups that we can use, right? So um, herbicide resistance to weed resistance is really important. Uh, maintaining um, use of different groups with our other crops so that we can use uh, group twos with our lentils. We do grow, um, the majority of lentils I'd say around Swift Current are um, Amy tolerant, so group two uh, solo Odyssey tolerant lentils. So making sure that we have, um, don't develop more resistance. Uh, Kochia and Russian thistle are two main weeds so that a lot of them are actually group two resistant now so the pre-emergent products that we can use now um like fierce Valterra that have a group 14 or 15 to help with kochia um different groups we use a lot of edge here uh to help with group two and one resistant wild oats as well so herbicide resistance and then also soil borne diseases are probably the two biggest issues with lentil production that we have to manage. So um, going back to the soil-borne resistance or soil-borne diseases, um, really it's crop rotation that uh, comes into play. So um, typically on our farm and with a lot of my growers, we're trying to get people to spread out to a three to five year rotation. We do a four year rotation with cereals and the canola and um, lentils in there. But for a long time, there's guys that have pushed it uh, like every second year, or every third year, and it's it's just been too tight. And those are the areas that we're starting to see aphanomyces become more of a problem. So definitely, if you're starting to grow lentils, keeping a longer rotation is gonna help keep your soil free of those diseases um, and hopefully keep lentils in your rotation for a longer period of time. Yeah, it's great advice, and I think the big thing, the big takeaway I've got, Katie, 
is just if you're just getting started into a crop like lentils, it's awesome. There's a chance to make some money some years where where demand is really high mm-hmm. and prices are up. But man, you got to talk to people that have been doing this for a while. Talk to the organizations uh, around uh, lentil and and other crops like that growing, uh, just to to understand some of these challenges. Like you mentioned, the the three to five year rotation, and and probably if you're new to this, pushing it out to four or five years just to be on the safe side because you just don't have quite as many options to manage some of those tough challenges in a crop like lentils. Katie, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thanks. Merry Christmas to you too. Talking lentils on our show today and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. What does it feel like to get all for none? How does all the Thanksgiving turkey with none of the cooking sound? All your football team's highlights with none of the timeouts. We'll do you one better. What about all the benefits of a new Farmall utility tractor with none of the finance cost? Welcome to Farmall A-Days. For a limited time only, gain 0% financing for 48 months or a cashback offer when you invest in select Farmalls this holiday season. There's a reason they call it a Farmall and not a Farm None. Visit caseih.com slash offers to learn more about these special offers running now through December 31st. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We are broadcasting inside the nice, warm Morton studio rather than outside with below zero temperatures, snow blowing around, wind chills uh, so bad that my kid's school is already called off for tomorrow. It's it's not pretty outside, but inside, uh, we're getting some work done today. We're talking about lentils and some of the things you can do to control weeds, manage diseases, and so forth. i uh, got a friend, Trevor Dale, on next. He's with Valent. And, and Trevor, you know, uh, I had a mention there of some of the different herbicides. I got thinking about some of the, the diseases that we're talking about, and, and there are some solutions out there. So it isn't just uh, throw your hands up or raising lentils. There's nothing we can do. Uh, Trevor, thanks for joining us today to share some of those things yeah good afternoon darren thank you for having me on i uh i appreciated your your comments on lentils and uh you know it's fun to work with different crops and that was one of the first crops i worked with uh fall valor on because uh the the in-season options or in-crop options are pretty limited as others have mentioned so yeah, you mentioned the fall treatments, and and so often on our show we'll get questions from from a farmer here or there that says, "Man, what do I do now? I've got this disaster." And we say, "Well, if we could turn back the clock, <laughs> we would put on a yeah, fall treatment." Yeah. But uh, hey, next year uh, get this done in the fall. Uh, how big a difference is that doing doing things in the fall, like fall valor, for example? It, yeah, it it really helps a lot because. Um, like I mentioned, it's a pre-emerge game for the most part. Um, I mean, they, they did mention that they got tough registered, but you, your in-crop post broadleaf options are just very limited. And to some extent, um, you take uh, Select Max and these other grass uh, compounds are, are starting to really struggle in certain geographies, especially where lentils are growing. Um, because most of the crops in the rotation are not Roundup ready, and so they don't have that option. And so it's been a lot of ACCA's products and ALS inhibitors, and so they're they're starting to get some resistance. And so, you know, that's where we've there's been some transitioning from fall valor to like fall fierce to um, not control, but it helps. Uh, thin out the herd a little bit and keep them smaller and it allows that in-crop application to be more effective. Yeah, they're just, it's fun, Trevor, you know, we we aren't developing new tools as fast as we would like, but there are different ways that we can use the tools that we have. And here, putting Valor on in the fall, it's not like we have a new active ingredient, but now the timing is different and we can catch the weeds in a different part of their cycle and hopefully start that year out weed-free instead of starting with weeds that are already up, weeds that we don't have post-emerge options for, and throwing our hands up saying, oh, no, uh, now it's we're playing, uh, well, I guess, catch-up, and, and there's no way to catch up. We, we're stuck saying, I wish I yeah. could turn the clock back. And there's, there's so many, I mean, if for lentil growers, there's so many options that they cannot use, you know, like even if you go into wheat in the rotation, there's, there's so many things with rotation restrictions, so... And even you take dicamba and a burn down in a fall, you got to be really careful with that um, and the rates and stuff. 
Um, so it's it's challenging, but I I like it. It's not simple and it's not easy. <laughs> Don't grow lentils, but it's fun to be able to try and come up with programs. To, um, and it and you talk about it now. It's we're we're past the fall application, but you need to, they need to be start looking at stuff for next year and, and plan programs to to maximize weed control and then their yields. You know, one thing um, that we had uh, Katie Carefoot on up in Saskatchewan, she was talking about some of the, the tough diseases that they're fighting in soils there. And, and it's not terribly far away from, from where you're farming. It's not a world away or anything like that. And you do have some of the same challenges where, yeah. where your farm's at, where you got some tough soil diseases. Uh, I, one thing we think about valent a lot about killing weeds but disease control and seed treatments and those types of things are, are getting to be a big part of what what valent is doing what are some of the things we should look at trevor in terms of fighting disease whether it's lentils or or some other crops and and some of the newer things out there for growers to look at yeah so um valent uh, works through a new farm in canada there and um the seed treatments are containing ethoboxum um, have gotten pretty popular up there for aphanomyces and pulse crops. Um, I can't tell you exactly where we're at in the U.S. with that today, um, but Canada is ahead of us on that. And then um, also Zelterra um, for Rhizoctonia and pulses um, is is taking off pretty well up there, as I understand it as well. So it's kind of crazy. We we. <laughs> do have all this commerce and, and stuff back and forth between the countries, but then things are different <laughs> on uh, marketing and what products are available here versus there and and in both directions. So um, they they've uh, I think they've had great success with the, not only the seed treatments, the Zelterra, which will be coming in the U.S. Um, and also the Ethoboxum and pulses for yeah, ethoboxum is really catching on here in the United States in a number of different crops where, where growers are seeing a difference there. And uh, that's that's been interesting because it's not from uh, any of the major seed companies out there. So uh, if you see big seed companies adding something on that isn't one of their active ingredients that they have owned or developed, that's saying a lot, Trevor, because those guys like to use their own stuff first as long as they can until something better comes out. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I think back um, not that many years ago and I was, you know, working on development trials of Ethoboxum and I, I remember... Uh, the lady that was in charge of seed treatments, and she was like, this is a very big deal. <laughs> and I didn't get it at the time because my, my background was in weeds. And um, so some of the early e uh, efficacy trials, um, I, I didn't realize how big it was going to be, and not only in the U.S., but globally. So kind of fun to see to come to fruition. 
Yeah, yeah, there's lots of stuff going on, no doubt about it. Um, we're talking here with Trevor Dale with Valent. Uh, Trevor, uh, I guess we get a lot of questions about supply issues and, and uh, input costs and all those kinds of things. Let's be honest, the market prices are pretty good. We can afford the inputs, even though uh, they are kind of high, in my opinion. I'm not going to beat you up on that one. But how about supply this year? What do you see happening just industry-wide on, on crop inputs? Yeah, um, I, I think we're you know still challenged, and but I think we'll have enough. We will have enough supply. Um, the biggest thing is for guys, you know, if you're planning on using it, is to you know tell your retailer um, you you don't want to go in, in in April and ask for your stuff. So it, again, a, a little bit more planning ahead. Um, it's not as easy as it has been in the past. Hopefully, a little better than last year, but we we we're ramping up supplies and doing the best that we can to to make sure that stuff's available. Yeah, a lot of challenges in the supply chain and trucking and all these things right now. But uh, there, I, I, well, I you just look today. I mean, or today, this whole week, and maybe next week of <laughs> challenges with trucking. The roads aren't very good. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. Never easy, never easy. But I would say this overall, I think things are starting to get back closer to what we think normal is, and and that's a good thing for farmers. We got a lot of good choices out there. We were just talking, even in a crop like lentils, there are some choices out there to to take care of weeds. There are some choices to take care of diseases. So you definitely got to keep your eyes open. Uh, Trevor, thank you so much. Really appreciate you joining us, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Yep, thank you. Same. Merry Christmas. Talking about lentils on the show today, but we're going to dive back into the Ag PhD mailbag coming up right after this. Stay tuned. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gainground. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. 
Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio broadcasting from the Morton studio today and we're diving back into the Ag PhD mailbag that's your questions that have come in via email radio at agphd.com or of course you can call and ask questions right now too and our phone lines are wide open at 844-44-AG-PHD all right, uh, I got Brian back on now to talk just a little bit. I got herbicide questions for you, Brian. I got some soil test questions. Let me start with one about the three pre's. This one's from Kyle, and Kyle's in northeast Indiana. He said, all right, guys, uh, just a couple setup things here. My CECs in my soil range anywhere from 14, which is kind of medium textured, to 28, which is really pretty heavy. And my soil pH, we're still working on anywhere from 5.7 up to about 7. Don't really have any high pH ground, but do have some low. So we had been running ExtendFlex soybeans. This year, though, there's a premium uh, for a, a different soybean, but it only has Roundup Ready as the herbicide trait. So I thought, what a great time for me to, to try your three pre-strategy and add a yellow back in to my burn down like you guys are, are talking about a lot. So I, I think I'm going to use Prowl H2O. I'm 100% no-till, so that's my yellow that I can use. What rate do you normally add into the the three pre's? And do you adjust rates on metribuzin and sulfentrazone since you're now throwing a yellow into the mix? We do not adjust the rates on metribuzin and sulfentrazone. You still want to use, I'm going to say strong rates not necessarily the highest labeled rate. Like in the case of metribuzin, we never recommend the highest labeled rate. We just typically talk a third of a pound if you're 7 pH or less. But anyway, uh, with the prowl rate, it's usually somewhere around that three-pint rate to prowl H2O. Okay. Um, the other questions that he had is, all right, for burn down help, I had been using ExtendFlex soybeans and adding dicamba in. I'm planning to go back to using some 2,4-D in my burn down ahead of these Roundup Ready beans. Could you go over what you believe the rules are on safe rates of 2,4-D and amount of time required to wait to plant? Uh, and even if you got rain, does that change things? Uh, the rain doesn't change stuff a whole lot. Here's our rule. Don't use it. 
So I'm not a fan of using 2,4-D in the burn down period in front of beans that are not tolerant to the 2,4-D. So nope, I'd skip that. If you want something that has more burn down activity than Roundup, then go to either Liberty or Gramoxone. That's my recommendation. So if you said, well, I absolutely want to use 2,4-D, I'd say, all right, fine, use uh, a pint, and it's got to be three to four weeks in advance of planting. I, I mean, I'm not going to even look at what the label says, because the label, in my opinion, it's too close. So they talk about a pint, or, or let's see, it's half a pint in one week, and, and a pint in two weeks, or something like that. It, 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 it's too much. It's too much risk. Don't, don't do it. Just do not use 2,4-D as the burn down. So what I would recommend is the three pre's, the uh, either Authority or Valor, plus Metribuzin, plus Prowl, and then throw some Gramoxone with it. You don't need the 2,4-D at all. All right. The other question post-emerge. Uh, I plan on spraying Warrant with my Roundup. I'm wondering, can Great. I throw Flexstar in? And if so, yep. what growth stage yep. should I target for this? Or what are some other Early. tips you may have to minimize damage to the beans? Yeah, I'm not that worried about the damage to the beans. Just uh, make sure you're getting it pretty early in the season. So Warrant Ultra is the combination of Warrant and Flexstar. So if you want to go Warrant Ultra, that's fine. Otherwise, you can mix your own. That's fine. But yes, that is a great combination. I talk about that all the time. Do the three pre's, then come with the PPO and Group 15 early post along with your Roundup, and you're going to be in really good shape. Yes, there are going to be a few weed escapes here and there, but by and large, you're going to have pretty clean fields. All right. Thanks for the questions. Really appreciate that, Kyle. I uh, get this one that came in from Chris, uh, who's down in Nebraska. And Chris said, guys, uh, my soil test results seem a little bit off this year. Obviously, we've been pretty dry, little to no rainfall the last six months. Uh, we noticed that our pH levels are a little bit lower than we expected, and our P1 phosphorus levels also seem slightly lower. Uh, do you think that's just the dry conditions, or is there anything else going on? I think the pH is because of the dry conditions. I don't think the P1 is because of the dry conditions, though. So I, I would just say if your P1 looks low, then put more phosphorus out. Even if I'm wrong and it is, whatever, 10 parts per million higher in reality than, than, in act, than, than what the results show, you didn't hurt anything by putting a, a little bit of extra phosphorus on. So you're going to be fine. I, I, I here and like on that pH thing, if it's just a hair low, I certainly wouldn't be putting lime on if I'm at a whatever 5.9 and I'm normally at a 6.3. I think I just let her ride for a year. But on that phosphorus thing, boy, if you're down to 10, 20, 30 parts per million of P1 phosphorus and you think, well, I should be 10 or 20 points higher, it's still low. So I, I'd make sure I'm, I'm pushing that phosphorus thing a little more. All right. Thanks for the questions. We really appreciate that. Uh, this one comes in from Stan and he said, I heard Brian talking about status as the best option in corn for battling these vining species like morning glory and burr cucumber. I'm wondering Correct. what's the Just best talked about it yesterday. Yeah. I'm wondering what, what does he think about tank mixes? Would atrazine add enough residual? Would a group 15 help? Would that add some residual control? Uh, would you do both? What, what would you put with the status? Well, it depends on what we're trying to kill. If the target is, yesterday we were talking about Ivy Leaf Morning Glory, I said group 15 isn't going to help you at all. 
Throwing some atrazine in will help a little bit, but don't think that you're going to get out of a half a pound of atrazine some amazing residual or anything like that, but it'll help a little bit. So I'm perfectly fine if you want to throw atrazine in to help your status on burr cucumber, on, uh, on ivy leaf morning glory, and any of the viney species, fine. But to think that a group 15 is going to help you, it's not. If you really wanted to throw something else in there, if it's me, I might consider throwing some, I mean, well, I, no, I probably wouldn't. I was just going to say I could throw some buttrol in, but the status by itself is going to be fine. And, you know, you could throw a little HVPD in for some residual, but like we talked yesterday, HVPDs are, are quite weak on many of the, the vine species, so it's not going to do you much good. I'm just running with status and atrazine, so if anything, what I would consider is bumping to the full rate instead of the two-thirds rate. We talked about the five-ounce rate yesterday of status. That's only a two-thirds rate. So if that's still not enough, just go to the full seven-and-a-half-ounce rate. Now, you're going to hate the price. It's really expensive, but it absolutely will kill the weeds. All right. Thanks for the question. appreciate that. I get this one from Colton up in the... Uh Alberta, Saskatchewan border area, growing some lentils. In today's show, we were talking about lentils. Colton said, okay, I got a pH question for you then, too. Uh, we've got a 7.5 to 8 pH, and it's wreaking havoc on our available phosphate. So instead of applying a bunch of MAP, that, that's probably just going to get all tied up. I'm wondering about elemental sulfur. You guys talk about that a lot. Could I put it in the nah. seed row to try and drop pH? Uh, would that help with phosphate availability? What rates would a you little, run with elemental sulfur? A little, but I mean, do we have a soil test? I, I mean, no. personally, I'm still putting the phosphorus on. I'm still putting the phosphorus on. I'm not going to change that. Would I consider also using some elemental sulfur? Sure, I absolutely would. Can you try some in the seed row? You can. For us, we like broadcasting it. You could try it there. you got to keep it fairly low, especially if it's anywhere near the seed. Sulfur can be a little harmful to seed right away. So, I mean, what I'm trying to say is I don't like it in the seed furrow. But if it's like a, a deep band, a two-by-two, two, uh, you know, some other kind of placement, so it's not at least right in the furrow with the seed, you can, you can definitely do that. But... I, I mean, that's not going to totally solve your phosphorus problem. You've got to build that phosphorus up. And this is one of the things, too. We've had Neil Kinsey on our show quite often, and he'll talk about how MAP and DAP don't actually get tied up very easily in your high pH soil. So when you put it on there, it, it hopefully is going to be available for a little while. And a 7.5 to an 8 pH isn't terrible. It's really not. So just keep building up your phosphorus, use a little bit of elemental sulfur, and you're going to be fine. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Get this one in from Todd, who says, uh, when are your 2023 workshops and field day and so forth? Have you set the dates on those? You bet we have. Uh, just go to agphd.com, click on the events tab, and you can pick any of the workshops and upcoming events that we've got. You can see the days uh, and times and locations, and then you can also pre-register uh, and, and check out all that information. Hey, thanks, Todd. Really appreciate you asking about that. Look forward to seeing you hopefully later this winter. Please be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.